welcome to Shitty Christians. I'm your host, Michael Tabor. I'm Zachary Allard. I'm pretty excited for this week. We've got a lot to cover. Some things have been happening in the news. Uh, we're going to talk about Parasite winning Best Picture, which is so exciting. Yes. Beloved film, favorite of the pod. Uh, but not everybody's on board, turns out. Yeah, you know, a voice crying alone in the wilderness <laughs> against class consciousness. It's, what are we talking it's about? important to defend rich people. That's true. They, they're so innocent. They just don't understand anything. <laughs> We're so, also going to be talking about sex demon exorcist extraordinaire Mark Driscoll and a little bit about the <laughs> Axe 29 network. He will be joining our cast of colorful characters. Don't worry. You don't have to know anything about him. You oh. will know too much by the end of this podcast. And that's the shitty Christian's guarantee. Every time, baby. But what's been happening this week, Michael? Something has happened since our last podcast. We've had a primary. Bernie won, motherfucker. Bernie won. What up? Yes. There's a lot to talk about there. We're not going to get into all of it, but just, yes. He got the victory that he deserved in Iowa. He fucking took in New Hampshire. Yeah, and he didn't let this thing get stolen from him the same way. He didn't get lost in the market as the DNC tried to take it from him. Yeah, as they successfully stole delegates that belonged to him for reasons that are too complicated to get into now. He has been, like, fighting. He's continuing to fight. They knocked on... What did you say? 150,000 doors on Saturday? doors in Saturday alone. That's almost a quarter of all the homes in New Hampshire right. on Saturday. They're out there. You love to see it. That That's just like genuinely encouraging and beautiful. Yeah, well, I think it's just, listen, this is great. This, this is, is a good. victory. But it's important to remember the game that we're playing. And yeah. the game isn't win states. The game is get 51% of delegates. That's because right. we need to be able, as, as Bernie supporters, uh, Bernie needs to be able to walk in with 51% of the total pledged delegates. Get to the Democratic National Walking to the convention in Milwaukee. Uh, because if he does that, then he takes it first round. Yep. No superdelegates get involved. Mm. It's his. Yep. But if we wait until superdelegates get involved, which are obviously handpicked by the DNC right. and representative of institutional power yeah, in just, the Democratic Party. It's anti-democratic. A bunch of rich and powerful people get to decide, weigh in. Yeah, literally super. More. Like, yeah, they yeah. literally get Extra more votes. power. Like, yeah. it, it's a wild concept. And Bernie fought really hard yep. to be able to have that first round without superdelegates. Thank goodness. Now, I mean, that was one of the most important things he did in 16. Absolutely. He set himself up because... Because Bernie, Bernie fucking knows what he's doing. He knows a thing or two. He knows a thing or two. But that said, we need to take it first round because if they have a chance to steal it from us, as we saw in Iowa, they're going to do it. So let me just give a personal shitty Christians thank you to everyone who called, who texted, who donated, who took buses to New Hampshire, who knocked on doors. You guys are the real heroes of this story. And and the thing that's great is obviously we were Bernie supporters, but this movement is a lot bigger than yep. Mr. Bernard Sanders, which is good. because I, I wish there was a tagline that expressed that. But you know what? There isn't. So yeah, we're just going to no, we'll move, move forward. On. <laughs> Somebody should get him on that. The other thing that we do need to say, Bloomberg in the news a lot. Literally the day after Bernie's victory in New Hampshire, we get a Thomas Friedman article. <laughs> Thomas Friedman, as you may or may not be aware, multi-Pulitzer Prize winning asshat. I mean, like, his entire shtick, he's won Pulitzers for saying markets are good. Markets are great. We are a capitalist and country. And I love Israel. And, and <laughs> as quoted in this article, if you want better jobs, you need Steve Jobs, which yeah. is a hell of a take. If you want a Pulitzer, that guy who wrote, if you want better jobs, you need Steve Jobs, won a Pulitzer. That's why I'm upset. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his whole thing was like, Bernie Sanders is not our guy. We need Bloomberg. He can get stuff done. He can finance a campaign against Trump. He believes in capitalism. Like, he's a Republican. All, yeah, all great No, things. but I mean, it, it is, it, the pitch is really like... To be a Republican, you have to be a Republican. That and is like, literally, I have heard that it. from Stop. the Twitterverse. Yeah. There is no, we're not going to spend time, but there is no difference between Bloomberg or Trump. If Bloomberg ran, 
there's no reason to vote for Bloomberg over Trump. He's not better than Trump in literally any way. Yeah, we won't get into all the details no. now, but let's just we'll take stop and We'll do a whole segment frisk. on him in the future. Real quick, stop and frisk. He came out on Twitter yesterday saying, hey, I apologize. It went down under my tenure, which is true after legal injunction. Incredible. Before that, he had increased it by 700%. He basically, at one point also, I think in 2013, basically said that... Uh, Whites get stopped too much. Yes. And people of color need to be stopped more. He is, Bloomberg is Donald Trump with more money and better press. That's not good. Also similar in how they treat women. Oh, very much so. Yeah. That's a light Google away. Yeah. Go ahead. Go forth, dear listeners, and research that on your own. But the moral of the story is the weight of the establishment is going to throw its power behind mm -hmm. multiple candidates yeah. that can ch chop at what we're trying to do from different angles. And it's going to take a lot because it it's not just fighting Pete and it's not just fighting Bloomberg. Like, we've got yep. a lot of people on the stage. Um, so get involved. But in other good news, Parasite won Best Picture at the Oscars this Another week. very exciting victory for things that are good and the eventual downfall of capitalism. And we're going to get into... Also, fuck the Oscars. They chose <laughs> Green Book last How year. How do you go... I have a question. How do you go from Green Book to Parasite? That is truly bizarre. They picked the nice Republican movie. Yeah, the most Republican movie of all time, Green Book. Like... And if you're offended by that statement, that you you need to do some yeah. research. <laughs> do some soul search. Uh, but yes, Green Book, literally the Republican-like values, mm -hmm. just... Just rebooted. Uh, a well, white man teaches a black man to love fried chicken in that movie. Is that right? That's, there's a scene oh, man. where where he introduces, the white man introduces a black character to fried chicken. For the I have a question. Time. Is it racist of us to think that's backwards? Uh, I'm not even touching that. Yeah. What is Parasite? Tell me. Parasite tell me is about quickly. a poor family. They are living basically in a basement uh, in South Korea. Yeah. It's a South Korean film, Seoul, South Korean director. And and basically they get a job with a rich family mm -hmm. and then they start getting all the rest of them jobs and then about halfway through there's a major twist that turns the entire movie sort of upside down but also clarifies what it's really about and what it's really about is like sort of class warfare and how poor people have to scrape and survive and be frankly kind of violent and difficult sometimes which is not their fault but because of the systems that are in place that the rich put them in there. However, that sounds like really boring, but it's just Cracker Jack, Spielbergian entertainment the entire time. It's funny. It's tense. If you have someone in your life or you yourself are a person that struggles with watching foreign film, it's one of the most approachable foreign oh films gosh. of all time because it just bounces off the oh, screen. Oh, it's so it fun. Is, it is a ball to watch. Mm -hmm. The acting, impeccable. I had a grand old time I saw it, it a second time in theaters a week ago and it was better. Because uh, you got to admire just like how beautifully it was put together. However, here's yeah. the thing though. It's kind of political. Oh no. You know, and, and you know we hate that. <laughs> you hate you hate politics in your movies. Yeah. And so it's pretty well beloved. In fact, I think of like if you think of critics and audiences together, Parasite's been a massive hit. It's made almost two hundred million dollars worldwide. Wow. Uh I know. And I think what's so interesting is it probably has the highest Q rating of like any Oscar winner I can think of in a long time. Like, it's a big hit. Audiences and critics love it. Everyone's like, okay, good job. Like, nobody's upset about this, except for the National Review. <laughs> <laughs> the National Review was very, has been very upset about Parasite since it came out. Ooh, exciting. National Review wrote, talking about its Oscar winning, Oscar win, saying, progressivism has had a worse impact on the Oscars than Harvey Weinstein. Wow. Yeah. That is a heck of a take. Yeah. They think movies about socialism 
Sort of. It's not even. It's not even. It's, movies it's about just classic knowledgement. Movies about class conflict are worse than the horrible rape monster running around in Hollywood for decades. You know what I appreciate about that coming from the National Review? It's fucking <laughs> honest. They really believe that. That's not a joke to them. Yeah. So that I went and found the review of it. Kind of excited. Curious. I wanted to be enlightened. Maybe I was incorrect. I love engaging with critical discourse on movies. So they wrote the review titled Parasite. Antifa comedy for the cancel culture era. You know, <laughs> it's not great as a podcast host how often I am dumbfounded <laughs> by the things we discuss. Yeah, we've been doing this for a little while. You think you would have like... The National Review never runs out of ways to, to make me just sit in stoic silence and contemplate how much I hate everything. So they start out by saying that Bong Joon-ho, the director, laughs at family and social ruin. Bong is an unfunny extremist. In Parasite, he annihilates the concept of the nuclear family <laughs> by setting a brood of lower class con artists against an upper class family unit. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> wait, so just to be clear, mm -hmm. The upper class family yep, is you. a family, mm -hmm. but the lower class family that is in fact its own nuclear yep. family mm -hmm. is a brood. They're a brood. They're ah. con artists. They're the slum dwelling Kim family scams from their filthy bug infested, infested hovel. Oh my God. <laughs> they pose as servants to the wealthy corporate executive Park family and exploit their employer's trust. <laughs> They don't pose as servants. They are servants. Oh, man. And they okay. would have continued doing the job if things hadn't taken a turn. Like, that but is... I just love, they, they deny, they say that they're attacking family. Yeah, that the situation in this movie mm. is that the, you know, brave corporate yep. family that is providing jobs, the job, job creators, creators, literally job creators, are being exploited. What an incredible takeaway from that movie. <laughs> the film's hidden subject follows the economic inequality rants by That leftists. is not the hidden subject. <laughs> that is the, text, the explicit of the film. <laughs> text of the movie. It basically shouts fuck capitalism <laughs> repeatedly. Well, Bong, a genius, a, a poet among men, yeah. said we uh, th this movie has been so popular because we all live in the same country, and that country is capitalism. Damn. And he said that better than our podcast ever has, of course. I have so enjoyed him getting to have his little moment of just being an adorable uh, socialist out there in the world, but also making great movies. Uh, this guy continues. Bong wants his politics both ways, targeting and humiliating the wealthy, high-living entrepreneurs. <laughs> There's no, by the way, there might be no better lie than the word entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just briefly, if we jump back to Freeman talking about good jobs means Steve Jobs, do a little research on the creation of the iPhone, and oh, you yes. find out that the iPhone is literally almost entirely captured research from public-funded universities. Of course. All smushed together. Yeah. There was no ingenuity there. Mm -mm. You can say that, oh, he understood the market, he understood the timing, but like the actual thing that we revere Steve Jobs for is literally just his ability to steal. So to Microsoft, yep. so to all the internet, literally. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, all of you know, the internet was invented by the government. Big tech, as it turns out, has done great things for America. So yes, the idea that what we need in this world are more entrepreneurs, pardon me as I laugh. No, that it's amazing. So, and sympathizing with the cr dishonest, corrupt agitators who angle oh, to swindle God, them. I do love to see it. Bong dismantles the idea of family and social unity. Like, I think what's so fascinating is we've already said this, but he literally denies the humanity of the poor family. He literally yeah. says they don't count. Anything that happens to the rich family 
counts. Well, but that the, doesn't count. The things that are wrong with them have to do with their personal character. Mm -hmm. They are swindlers. That's why they don't get ahead because they're not entrepreneurs. They're not marketing people. They don't have access to this because they have bad character, which is literally... Oh, I know. You know, in some I ways, mean, one, one National right. Review article is every National Review article because they all say the same thing. Like, fuck poor people. <laughs> uh, th they're probably bad people. Yeah. No, it's their fault for being poor. It's, it's, it's these people definitely um, suggest to homeless people who ask for a dollar that they go get job training. Yeah. So uh, I have a question for you. So he writes, Parasite won the Palme d'Or Cannes Film Festival, which has become a yearly celebration of films that proclaim progressive anti-American attitudes. Those politics have overrun and confused traditional respect for cinema humanism. <laughs> My, um, <laughs> Michael, what the fuck is a cinema humanism? Michael, I was hoping you could tell me what a cinema humanism oh, is. Oh, man. These people's <laughs> incessant need to construct new bullshit terms. <laughs> All you have to say is I'm racist and I hate poor people. It's not hard. <laughs> the words are already there. But no, you have to wrap it all up as like, they're destroying the history of film. Oh, fuck off, dude. And he does one more weird turn. Oh, yes. The tirade of the ousted housekeeper imitating North Korea's Kim Jong-il might convey the secret ethnic power urges oh, God. and envy for South Korean audiences. It's the film's cancel culture twist. Secret ethnic power urges. I really want that on a t-shirt. I really, I really <laughs> want that to be struck from the record of my brain. What is that? Uh, okay, so it's a South Korean film. Yep. He's talking about a North Korean dictator. So is he saying that secretly what secretly, South Korea I wants is to be as powerful as North Korea? Is to join with North Korea and become a powerful ethnic state, I think. Oh, no. Secret ethnic power urges, though, could be the tagline of the Trump administration. <laughs> <laughs> Not so secret ethnic yeah. power urges. <laughs> Open ethnic power urges. Yeah. Oh, man. But my, so like that is just madness. And by the way, it's word salad. It, the whole yeah, thing is again, just, crazy. just making up language to define nothing. So there's two comments that I love because I go the extra mile for you. You read the Lester. comments. I read all. I oh, every time I read a National Review article, I read the comments. You're a monster. And by say this every single time, there's gold. First one, brilliant analysis, <laughs> to the degree that I could follow it. Wow. I clearly need to get out more. <laughs> <laughs> hey, contact us. I yeah. hope you're listening. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll happy to we'll explain parasite to you. This is the best comment, though. I don't understand most of what you write, but what little I do strikes me as insightful and right. <laughs> keep dishing, man. Keep dishing, man? Keep dishing, man. Keep, you know, man, keep dishing. Sounds like Matthew McConaughey is commenting here. Keep dishing, man. Uh, <laughs> just that keep, just that is beautiful. I love that both of them were just like, well, this makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> it must just be because I'm stupid and not because you're an insufferable I know. prat. And they're actually kind of sweet. They're like, I don't understand what you're doing, little Timmy, but I respect it. It's like <laughs> grandma talking to her hip-hop grandson and being like, you know, I just, as long as he's got friends. It's, it's, it's like fine. everyone over 50 talking to us about this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy, what do we have next? Okay, so we're going to be talking about Mark Driscoll. But to understand Mark Driscoll, I actually think we have to sort of follow the daisy chain of assholes. Uh, <laughs> Never because do the reason that. This Never follow <laughs> a daisy chain of assholes. It's the worst kind of daisy chain. So this came up because actually the Christianity Today just a few days ago announced that the Acts 29 CEO, Steve Timmis, has been re removed from his position. And oh, wow. So Acts 29 is the network that all of these people are part of. It's something that Mark Driscoll helped mm -hmm. found. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't you know it, 
it is under accusations of abusive leadership. Wow, a religious organization being abusive. So shocked. So this one, <laughs> it's I mostly bring up. It's it's not funny because he was a jerk. Right. But it's it's sort of nice that he was just a jerk. That's honestly better than some. No, I mean it's a uh, huge improvement. But at one point he got angry at people for not showing up to his impromptu barbecue. No, I stand by that. <laughs> which is incredible. When I decide at 4 p.m. on a Thursday I'm throwing a barbecue at 5 p.m., you better fucking show. You better show. be there. He also got really mad because somebody was volunteering at a coffee shop, which I like to think was class consciousness because why are they volunteering <laughs> at the coffee shop? They should be working there. But he would get very upset when any member of his church would participate in any sort of outside activity. Normal. So, yeah, normal totally stuff. normal. He got mad at uh, college students going home for the summer because they weren't dedicated enough to staying in his college town church over the summer. One of the elders of a church who had been there for 14 years said, people were and are afraid of Steve Timmons. <laughs> which is just... Wow. <laughs> that is things you really want on the Yelp review for the, your church, in a, right? In um, a way, I kind of wish that's how people viewed me. Yeah, I know. I wish anybody feared yeah. <laughs> us. Man, I can't even get blocked by like Southeastern. Bruce Ashford won't even respond to my love letters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, we should write him love letters. That would be an incredible... We, we're going to do that now. Oh, I have his email. Yeah, I mean, we have his Twitter. So that's Steve Timmis. <laughs> he is just the latest mm. in a long chain. Uh, the person that removed him, Matt Chandler. So mm -hmm. Steve Timmis is the CEO. Matt Chandler is the president. And of course, all these things make sense for a religious organization. Oh, yeah. No, I remember my dad was a pastor of a church, Harlem Park Baptist in Arkansas, that had a CEO of its like elder board or whatever. Uh, turns out that church was poisonous and filled with awful people. What? No way. Uh, <laughs> So Matt Chandler removed him. And you might be thinking, oh, that's great. Like, Good. we've been cool. talking about Baptists not responding well enough. Like, Matt Chandler stepping yeah. in, removing this abusive guy. But there's a there's a trap door usually when you're con feeling confidence. Hold up. Yeah, never feel confidence when you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> that's why we have to fight for Bernie. Uh, no, uh, Matt Chandler, as it turns out, has a few abuse issues of his oh, own. Oh, Not personally, gosh. but in terms of, yeah, I know, right? I'm so fucking tired. Every time I do a light Google about every organization, it's just in the like, world. oh, turn out they abuse children it's the, what why the entire world is jeffrey epstein life in 2020 is just living in the stupidest game show of <laughs> all time because they're like what do you think is behind door a and you're like i know what it is it's a fucking pedophile it's always a fucking pedophile <laughs> they invented doors i'm 90 percent sure bernie doors wants, were just big wants to get us out of this secret door game he wants to bring us to a better game show that's what bernie promises we're all yeah. gonna do survivor under bernie, bernie we're all gonna work together and create a commune and no one's getting voted off the island Bernie gets 100% of the vote when he uh, decides to investigate Jeffrey Epstein's death. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, honestly, it's 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 a it's a cross party issue. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Is really bringing the people together out there. So. This guy has some problems. So let's talk about the Village Church, which is Matt Chandler's church. It is a mega church in Texas. Okay. And again, one of these big mm -hmm. evangelical institutions. Matt Chandler, right. not part of the Southern Baptist Convention, but very much a darling of yeah. it. Uh, so there was a lady named Karen Hinckley. She was a missionary with the Village Church, her and her okay. husband serving overseas. Karen discovered that her husband was viewing child pornography. Oh. And I'm sorry. Yeah. Mornings, Again, yeah, not good. It's Behind it's really really gross. So Karen very responsibly wrote to the missions board. Mm -hmm. She once she confronted him and could immediately yeah. tell that she was getting very like half-assed. Like right. that th yeah. this was deeper. This man's entire like professional career had been around children. No, you read like, his resume. It's just like he is just at schools and camps, camp counselors. Yeah, it's, this it's is like, just this whole thing. He was obviously a pedophile. 
And so she did what a responsible person did. She yep. made sure that they were removed from that post and they went back to their church and, and she did contact the police. The police Good. chose not to investigate, but, uh, but she contacted yeah. the police. So she reached out to the church. The church was like, hey, we're going to help handle this. But as it turns out, handle this meant that she was the one that got in trouble. I don't even understand how that's possible. Here's the thing that this really boils down to is that he went back and quote unquote repented. Gross. And because he was in repentance, the expectation was that she would work with him to like come back together. This is a such a dumb unit. church jargon, which by the way, I've seen at our fucking church where it's like, hey man, we're past it. It's like, you can you can come in, especially if you're a dude and be like, hey, I'm in repentance. You could have been like murdering babies for 40 years. Hey, and hey, be like, hey, don't call me out on this podcast <laughs> like that. <laughs> and it's just... The phrase in repentance, hopefully most of our listeners have never heard of, but it just uses this gloss to protect power. Well, and specifically, it means you're obeying the yep. power structure and therefore mm -hmm. you are not wrong. Therefore, you are fine. So when they brought them back, the church emailed everyone in the congregation, did not let them know about the pedophile that they were keeping in the congregation. Yeah. Karen then started telling people, and it became this whole crisis. And then they placed her under church discipline Incredible. for seeking an annulment and, and just lied about it. Yeah. They just not sent out an email. Being, not wanting to be married to a pedophile. Shocking. Hot take. Shock. A pedophile that like was clearly not fully yeah, like owning course. this. I wish that was the only sex abuse scandal that happened at the Village Church. There's been another one since then. My goodness. And he's, Matt Chandler has come out and been like, oh, I'm so sorry. We weren't trained to handle this, which is something you hear every stinking yep. time. I'm so tired, so tired of hearing churches be like, oh, we just weren't educated enough. It's almost like there's a systemic problem and you don't care about this. It's almost like we arrest people. Like if you had told the cops there was a black dude with a dime bag, they would have sent in two SWAT mobiles. It's almost like, like you say yeah. you say there's a guy looking at child pornography. They're like, well, it's almost like we don't care about our children. Uh, but it's also almost like uh, these guys don't care until the New York Times writes an article about it. And God help me, you're making me say nice things about the New York Times. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that's Matt Chandler. Okay. Let's jump one more back, shall oh, wow. we? So now we have arrived at the the beginning, the Alpha and Omega of Acts 29, because in many ways he was the beginning and the end of this the, organization. The, uh, the great asshole behind the curtain. Uh, true, true. Mark Driscoll, how do I describe Mark Driscoll? Somebody described his appearance in one Oh, of yes, Mark Driscoll is plain but thick. <laughs> <laughs> I think it needs to be said. The village voice or whatever. Early Mark 2010s <laughs> before thick was a compliment. Yeah. This is CK thick. Uh, he is, he's he's built like every Irish cop. Like he's just <laughs> no, he's definitely the kind of guy that like knocks on your window and asks uh, if you understand what you're doing wrong. But you know who else was uh, not not very beautiful in form or feature? Jesus, noted Irish cop. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, Mark Driscoll. If if you want to sum up Mark Driscoll, he is the like original edgelord christian oh god <laughs> uh, that is his vibe he rose to national prominence mm -hmm. basically because he cursed some like okay. not even a lot listeners to this podcast are familiar with much more cursing than mark driscoll ever did <laughs> but he cursed some from the pulpit and he wore heavy quotation marks cool clothes yeah he i think at one point the new york times describes his vintage ball caps yeah vintage baseball caps no nope, nope, backwards cool. he was one of the original faux hawks like yeah, he he was uh, one of our first faux hawk americans and so <laughs> this guy somehow manages to vibe in this like cool slash vaguely countercultural way you know they would have indie bands and rappers come mm -hmm. play at the church while while using that to smuggle in an awful deep-seated 
fundamentalist ideology that was based in hardcore Calvinism and hardcore complementarianism. Yeah. Calvinism meaning you're all scum and you're all going to hell and only the ones that God pre-chooses, pre-selected, TSA pre-boarding for heaven can happen. <laughs> uh, and then complementarianism meaning men and women have different roles. But, and also, uh, but like all of that turned up to 11. Yeah. So we've talked about some of these things before. What you need to know is just that like, he is the X Games version of those things. He, he is. is. He is he, totally. He's just, X Games John MacArthur. <laughs> he is. He's uh, John MacArthur. If he could, would take his brain out and put it in Mark Driscoll's body so he could keep being this. Hell, terrible. that might have happened. Yeah, Who's honestly. To Who's to say? Uh, that that's your get out connect for go. the for the week. That's Mark Driscoll, and he got glowing reviews i mean again i mentioned that new york times article where it says you've never seen a pastor this cool and i'm not i'm not here to pillory like late 2000s fashion because we were all there and it was terrible for all of us but this dude straight up looks like user submitted affliction like t-shirt designs (laughs) like like some dude on a notebook just like scrawling this out on wide world paper and sending it in like that's his whole vibe christianity's entire relationship to cool is Google Translate. <laughs> that's perfect. It just, that's all Oh, man. I, I remember being in Lifeway stores as a yes. 12-year-old boy where they would have little sheets. And on that sheets, it would name the cool band that you wanted to like but I rem- couldn't buy. <laughs> I remember And that it would name you, it'd be like, if you like Limp Bizkit, you should <laughs> check out Bad Christian Alternative, Limp Bizkit. And it was literally just like, take that exact sound, cut the talent in half, <laughs> And have it produced by the same dude that's been doing every tooth and nail record since the beginning of time. Oh, man. And just put that out the door. And it was just, yeah. And it was awesome. <laughs> and it I fucking mean, rules. When I was 12, I loved a lot of those bands. So Mark Driscoll, like, his, here was his other thing. He's here to be cool and countercultural and use that to slip in some, like, really non-countercultural stuff. He's also here for the men. Let's go if we shall. Okay. To, so, to a little theology. It's time to get to know what Mark Driscoll's really about. So this comes from a blog post in 2000 that he, it's actually uh, the church mm-hmm. in a very early 2000s attempt at relevance <laughs> had their own message board. Oh man, uh, I thought you were going to say Zanga, but here we are. Yep. Mark is posting, but he's not posting as himself. Of course not. Do you know who he's posting as? William Wallace the Second. Ew. Yeah. Ew. It's so much worse than if he was just posting under the name William Wallace, which would still be lame. Christian's obsession with Braveheart and Gladiator. Oh, yeah. Super. That, that's super. not even a whole episode. That's oh, like, man. that's just the whole series. Like, oh, helping yeah. us understand why Christians love Braveheart. They're so obsessed with this particular portrait of masculinity. Being the second is so much worse than yeah, just being William Wallace. It's you're, like, you're not just that thing. You're the fulfillment of that I'm thing. I'm the sequel. I'm the Godfather part two of William Wallace. Yeah. And by the way, he doesn't mean the Scottish warrior king. He definitely <laughs> he just definitely means, means Mel Gibson. Means and that he's probably going to be yelling about Jews at some point. It's not great. <laughs> it's you, not a, you don't love to see it. It's not a great look. William Wallace the second. Just if that tells you everything you need to know about how this man perceives mm-hmm. himself. Let's get to the quote, shall we? Content warning. Yeah, just straight up. I mean, this whole podcast, but specifically this. It's bad. We live in a completely pussified nation. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh, no. What? We could get every man, real man, as opposed to pussified, James Dobson, knockoff, crying, promise-keeping, homoerotic, worship-loving, mama's boy, sensitive, emasculated, neutered, exact male replica, evangelifish, and have a conference in a phone booth. 
Okay. We might need to gloss that text that's, that's a little bit. That's not great. It's 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 a little gross. And what I'm going to tell you, I'm actually not going to read much of the rest of the quote because no. it gets so much worse. No, the other stuff I told you before this podcast, I was like, we're not reading anymore. No, yeah, not, it, I was like, I'm not reading the rest of Because it takes a hardcore thing from like, oh, men are emasculated, which is terrible enough yeah. as a concept, into just hardcore sex. Yeah, and it's just but. like, also women suck. And it's like, stop, stop, stop. Yeah, yeah. No. You needed to calm down a long time before this. But what's amazing about this is he's specifically calling out promise keeping, which is a whole organization. He says they aren't. Promise keepers are just Boy Scouts for grown Christian dudes in the 90s. It literally is like get together in giant conferences and learn how to be a good male leader. And again, it's, it's, it's literally the thing he's doing. He's just mad they're not doing it hard enough. Yeah, yeah. They're they're doing it too pussified. He's, he thinks the sexists are not sexist enough. Again, this is a guy that got popular wearing skinny jeans, then complaining about mama's boy sensitive amount, whatever. And then Evangelifish, which is the idea that evangelicals have no spines. He put it together, a little portmanteau. He didn't, he didn't come up with this one. Well, yeah, it, it has it has the brief aroma of cleverness, mm -hmm. and that means there's no way he was involved. <laughs> I think Grace Driscoll came up with that. Hey, good for you, Grace. Yeah. Bad I, taste in men, solid pun. So he's mad that he can assemble all the real men in a phone booth. What does he want yeah, to I, do? I, What's that, going on in that phone booth? I, You know, listen, whatever he wants to do, I'm open to it. So he's upset at the current state of real men. Okay. But let me just tell you. He's willing to look at historical considerations. This right. is not just a modern culture problem for him. And this is all the rest I'm going to read of this. It all began with Adam, the first of the pussified nation. All men forever. Since the beginning of mankind, according to how these people think about the world. adequately male. Yes. You know, I do think this world, this culture... Lacks enough men. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I look at the Trump Particularly White in House. Particularly positions of power. Could, I wish we could get some men in there. <laughs> <laughs> it is a really, really he said bizarre this in take. 2000. Yeah, well, you yeah, went this Bill is Clinton, 2000. Toxic masculinity to George W. Bush. Also pretty toxic. It reminds me a little bit of who's that White House official who, as it turns out, was like sending stuff to the Daily Stormer this whole time. You mean all the White House officials? <laughs> yeah, every single one of them. Oh, they Stephen Miller. Stephen Miller. It reminds me of Stephen Miller in that like Stephen Miller has been doing terrible, awful things in public for a yes. long time. And it turns out it was even worse than you thought. Like once you actually get to hear his thoughts that he's <laughs> writing to these racist publications, you're like, oh, so you are openly a white nationalist, not just a person who does things that white nationalists would like. Incredible. This is exactly that same like mm -hmm. text that helps yeah. you understand like, oh, this is where all this was coming from from the start. Mark Driscoll diagnoses a problem with masculinity, and he is here to single-handedly solve it, a la William Wallace II. Yeah. And so we see this in his church. Yes. Uh, as he grows and grows and mm -hmm. grows. He's specifically growing. He's talking about masculinity. He's talking about how men need to be leaders. Women, when they get discussed at all, it's not great. But what you see is a continual will to power, where... Yeah power as it gets bigger and bigger his power structure gets smaller and smaller and more of it gets run through him directly he starts doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one counseling with people even though he is pastor of this big church and they've got this mm -hmm. big thing he's the one that wants to handle the difficult cases quote unquote yeah. and this is where it gets a little weird okay were we already not past bonkers crazy a while yeah, ago you would think and I need to thank two people for this. Matthew Paul Turner and Warren Throckmorton, which shout outs for an incredible name. Yeah, well done. But these two guys have blogged extensively about Mars Hill. There was also an episode of the Bad Christians podcast that was exclusively a panel with the women of Mars Hill telling their stories. And so I recommend all three of those resources and that, that panel, hearing women who dealt mm -hmm. with this yeah, congregation, no, that's all very good. Hey, go check that out. 
But this comes from a lady, uh, name change, she went by Amy in this article, and it was a Matthew Paul Turner interview. And this woman underwent an exorcism at the hands of Mark Driscoll. Okay, so briefly, yeah. uh, that's not normal for Protestants. We I've been say. Protestant for 30 years, never seen an exorcism, never known anybody with an exorcism. That's some uh, strange Catholic shit. This is either Catholic or charismatic, like Paula White, as we talked yeah, about a little while ago. Like, But people that emphasize actual angels and demons interacting with this world in very specific ways, and specifically people that say that the things you do are mm-hmm. wrong are not just your heart being sinful or whatever, it's literally demons afflicting you this is not mainstream it's also on its face comical it is also in keeping with the extreme nature of this like extreme chauvinism extreme sin it's not your stupid heart it's demons (laughs) what kind of demons for this woman in particular michael sex demons okay so i i've been trying to get afflicted with some (laughs) sex demons mark uh my dms are spiritual warfare tinder for zach Weirdly, so weirdly, it seems to be the women that are afflicted afflicted with those damn sex demons. Let's get into it, because I think Amy's story is actually really indicative. She was a founding member of the church. Okay. She was not, not, neither her nor her husband grew up as believers. So they both kind of got swept up in this thing. Mm -hmm. They met in literally the living room um, before they even had a church building. They got married really quickly. So you end up in this situation where they're founding members. Because of that, they have a certain position of prominence. They're also functionally strangers that are married to each other and as it turns out like you know they've got some problems and this happens over the course of like eight and a half years where they're going to counseling and having issues and as it turns out they never should have been together and she's starting to think about getting a divorce and that's when mark driscoll tells her that she is afflicted with the sex demons there have already been issues where like her husband was maybe struggling with faithfulness but that was her problem Mm -hmm. because she wasn't providing for him it's always the the woman's problem in Mark's worldview. Oh, except there's no real men. It's so right. weird. What are you looking for, I man? Know. Like, what do you actually well, want? Well, so he tells her on the fly that he's going to perform an exorcism. This became a thing because later it was like, no, 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 we don't do exorcisms. And then people went into cached versions of a <laughs> website where they had their rules for exorcisms, exorcisms listed. And it was just like, ah. Like, are you sure? He, it's, it's literally like the 12-year-old that doesn't know about internet history. <laughs> so he gets caught looking at boobs because he didn't understand the way the internet wow, worked. Wow, Michael, that's a really interesting story you're telling me. <laughs> Listen, man. <laughs> so... Mark starts yelling at her. Always Always love. Love to see that. Men in positions of spiritual power yelling at women. He says, which of your husband's friends have you fantasized about sleeping with? Oh, gross. Isn't that? Gross. And she's starting to like, be yep. like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she's also been in this for a long time. So if, sure. if you as a normal person sitting outside of this are like, well, why didn't you just leave immediately? It's like, well, this guy's been your spiritual leader. The water's and also, been boiling for a while. For a very long time. And also, like, he's the only reason you were in any of this. Like, your entire identity grew up in and around this church. And then he just declares that he is about to have an exorcism. And let's just say exorcisms not probably shouldn't happen we, no, we're not going to get I'm into not, the theology but, of that but, but, but just fuck off with but that. gross uh second of all non-consensual exorcisms oh yeah no not way worse you can't just declare you're a woman like, i'm exercising you it's like uh, are you uh, like oh okay like uh Non-con- she needed to be exercised of her husband like that's what she needed <laughs> uh not this crap and so she doesn't go into a lot of detail about mm-hmm. the actual exorcism. But Matthew Paul Turner asked, she's like, what is the deal with all the sex humans? And she goes, oh, he was obsessed with it. 
He was obsessed with sex. Mm. And that came down to crude comments that he would make. That came down to, like, how much of his theology is around, like, the roles of men and women. I mean, he's he's so obsessed with it. In a recent video from, like, last year, he was talking about Daniel, the prophet Daniel, being castrated. Oh, yeah, because he was under the rule of eunuchs. Yeah, he and, was also a eunuch. Yeah, well, I think he was just saying, no, he had been castrated because he was listening to the eunuchs. Right. And if you listen to castrated people, then you yourself become castrated, just like culture. Our culture is castrated. So if you're listening to our culture, then you yourself are as castrated as our eunuch culture. We listened to that together. Very it was normal. really gross. Very normal. Eventually, people start being like, hey, man, this is maybe not the deal. He kicks those people out. So a few more people get together and say, hey, man, we really have some issues with how you're bullying members of the church. He kicks all those people out. Eventually, he kicks out his entire church. In what I have that to say. That seems like a happy ending. Yeah. Like, yeah. Again. Sounds like a good. In the end, the exorcism was good because yeah. everyone got him exercised out. But then he said, okay, if you want to come back, you can, but you have to sign this new thing, this new church constitution that gives me even more power. Dictator insanity. Cult Eventually, the same people that were writing glowing articles about him in 2009 catch on to the fact that this is all gross right. and weird and wrong. And start writing more articles. Acts 29, again, mm -hmm. the daisy chain of assholes, removes him. Okay. And pu very publicly is like, this is not representative of who we are. Right. I think we need to talk about that a little bit. Because it course. turns out yeah. it was exactly we'll who they there. fucking were. I think the last thing that I we want to say about Mark Driscoll is just like how ahead of the time he was. Yeah, I think one of the things that's so interesting is that like you look at Mark Driscoll and you think it sounds really familiar. Yeah. He talks about women this way. He's coming out of this promise keepers movement in the 90s and sort of pushing it even further towards this like wackadoo gender essentialism. And I think this is sort of the primordial soup that you get something like Jordan Peterson. Absolutely. That you get him talking about how femininity, femininity is chaos and how this sort of like sit up straight. You know, there was, an, uh, there was an article that talks about how Mars Hill's rapid expansion was due in large part to its appeal to a typically church averse cohort of young men, yep. especially those who were trying to figure out who they are terms of their purpose in life and so you have these people that you know these young men in the system who are disaffected and who are being told they're actually kind of like god like his whole point is that like masculinity is godliness and therefore you can never be wrong and that is really seductive when you're fucking like cashier when you are fucking not making ends meet when you're living at home still he and, and jordan peterson does the same yeah i think thing you said primordial you soup that jordan peterson comes out of they are both reaching out to people and they are using basic self-help concepts. Sit up, take take control of yeah. the things that you can control in your life, which are fundamentally good. And we need to say like, not necessarily sit up straight, but like right. self-care uh, and taking that to smuggle in extreme reactionary viewpoints. So you course. start with like, hey, you need to like be responsible for your actions, which is a fundamentally good thing that unfortunately reactionary assholes have like turned into awfulness. Of course, yeah. Uh, but then you use it to say women are chaos and we're going to have sex demon exorcisms now. Um, <laughs> and that's the thing. It's the same grift to take that aggrieved masculine impulse and t weaponize it and turn it into something terrible yeah. and make a lot of money doing it. No, I mean, he's still doing it right now. Yeah, he started another church. It. He still Spoiler has like, a alert. website with like slick, uh, with like slick YouTube videos. He has like a whole segment about real men. Yeah. You well, know? I mean, that's basically I every segment. And I, I think the thing I've been so thinking about is like, well, what does he want? And I figured it out. It took Tell me, me. It took me all the day. He is the only man he's ever liked. Yeah. Mark Driscoll, the only real man. not even Jesus, nobody, not Adam. 
he is the first real man. I think if he was being honest with himself, Jesus doesn't live up to his no, standards because not. Jesus exhibits lots of qualities that Mark Driscoll doesn't seem to have a lot of. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing is it is this extreme. It's like Bruce Ashford. It's this extreme narcissism where you diagnose a problem and you say you're the answer. Yeah. And, and this, it's a whole like trickle down grace yeah. theory of spirituality mm -hmm. where it all yeah, stems exactly. from the man and the head. And then like you functionally become God because you are the fount through which God pours everything out for you and everyone you but know. But here's the thing. There is a real problem in our culture, Michael. With a lot of these reactionary guys, I think it's important to acknowledge the things that are true. I don't think there's a problem with men in this country. I mm -hmm. think there's a problem with everyone in this country and in this world. Totally. As Bong said, we all live in the same country and it's capitalism. Mm. And the promise is, I think specific in some ways to the uh, you know young man of today is that if you work hard and do these things, you will be successful. And that is also how you should measure your self-worth. Right. And that is true for everyone. I'm trying of to, course. I'm not trying to say like, but that, that bill of goods gets sold to young men. And then they go into a world in which wages are stagnant yep. in which fuck you, Steve jobs. There are no good jobs no. Uh, in which a very increasingly few number of people have access to all of the resources yep. and they fail. They fail by the mm -hmm. system that they, and if they bought into the system, then they are failures. Right. And, and so, along comes someone that says like, hey, you are a failure. Let me fix that. Yeah. And that's a very attractive quality. I mean, it's the oldest, the oldest grift in the book. It's actually the oldest profession. <laughs> Capitalism. <laughs> right. So like all these churches that he was part of the founding are still removing people are still dealing with abuse. Yeah, I think this is actually really important. Because we have, particularly in America, in the West, this sort of heroic idea. And this trickles down to why we assassinate guys like Soleimani. It trickles down to, like, why we think we can just get rid of Mark and save the whole church. It trickles mm -hmm. down to, like, why we have the best pope we've had, better pope than we had previously. But they're still shuttling around pedophiles. Because the truth of it, as socialists, is it's not just a one-man situation. He's not the hero. He's not the villain. You can't just, it's a systemic issue. When you build systems that treat women like second-class citizens, that treat children like their property, that make God man and man God, and I mean those terms literally, yeah. then you end up with the same problem. We have this obsession with the great men, quote-unquote, and we forget that this isn't an individual problem. It's a systemic one. Absolutely. And obviously Mark Driscoll chose to build that system, but other people went along with it too. And that's yeah. why it didn't go away when Mark Driscoll left because yeah. we, we all create these things. So let's move on to our little cool down segment. All right, if you I'm ready. Um, we, we always want to go out on a little bit of a higher mm -hmm. note. So Zach, what is your prayer request, praise or unspoken for the week? So I have a praise. It was my birthday last week. I went to Sobom, which is a Korean restaurant here in Los Angeles. And I ate a raw crab, an entire raw crab that had been marinated in soy sauce. That sounds incredible. What's more important about that, though, uh -huh. is after winning Best Picture and Best Director, Bong came and partied at Sobon the night is of the that Oscars. Right? That is. Oh, and so man. that means that we were both were celebrating great achievements. Oh. My birthday, his Oscar, <laughs> same thing. Yeah, and the equivalent level of celebration. Exactly. Uh, for me, uh, I have a praise as well. Uh, okay. The Drive-By Truckers. Oh, I love the Drive-By Truckers. A new album. And I, I, just to briefly set it up, uh, I have a complicated relationship with my Southerness. Uh, my parents were both from New York. I was born in North Carolina. So I very much grew in, but in, but not of the South. Sure. And didn't really realize until I left how much uh, the South mm -hmm. did, in fact, define me. Mm -hmm. And it was always just something I felt a little uncomfortable with because I didn't fit in with some of the cliches. Sure. But as it turns out, some of the, you know, characteristics followed me out West. 
Uh, and the Drive-By Truckers is really one of those bands that helped me understand myself. Uh, and that the Drive-By Truckers also have a deeply complicated relationship with the joys and sorrows of the South. And they have been making alternative country music right. for decades, starting out with like just being drunk assholes that got in fights in parking <laughs> lots every night. And increasingly people that are reckoning with our political moment through their music in ways that are both really specific and pretty powerful. It's the only country band I've ever seen play with a Black Lives Matter flag on the stage. Incredible uh, stuff. I took uh, my wife to see them play. They played for two hours and 45 minutes, and she was here for about <laughs> two hours and 30 minutes of that. But when they it. were like, hey, we're going to skip the encore and just play till they shut us down, she was like, oh, my God. She just did not know how much she was getting into. Outlaw country. This new album's really great. It's, it's very... If their previous one was about sort of diagnosing national problems, this is about um, dealing with the personal trauma of our national moment. And it's just, it is both very personal and connected to very big things in a way that I really enjoyed. Yeah, so let's let's go out on this. We have set up an email. If you have questions, thoughts, concerns, things you want us to talk about, uh, we want to hear from you. So yeah, we please. went ahead and set it up. This is crappychristians at gmail.com. We really wanted to do the shitty, but as it turns out, Gmail is, <laughs> is a narc and they wouldn't <laughs> let us. So that was pretty lame. My name is Michael Tabor. You can find me at Michael Tabor. My name is Zachary Allard, and you can find me at Zachary underscore Allard. And you can follow the pod at at shitty underscore pod. Thank you guys so much for listening. Mm -hmm. Thank you for those of you that reached out. It has been a real, real fun time. It has been. In a lot of ways. And uh, if I could leave you with anything, it's dismantle capitalism from the ground up and rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks so much, guys. Bob goes to church every Sunday, every Sunday that the fish ain't biting. Bob never has to have dinner with the preacher cause Bob never bothered getting married. He likes to drink a beer or two every now and again. He always had more dogs than he ever had friends. Bob ain't light in the loafers. He might kneel, but he never bends over. Bob takes care of his mama. She's the only one he lets call him Robert. She don't drive anymore, so he takes her to the store and keeps her yard looking just like she wants. Every week at the beauty shop, Bob's mama hears of another woman's made another man disappear. Robert ain't exactly scared of women, he's just got his own way of living. Bob's still got an antenna on a pole, two channels coming, two more coming go. He used to watch the news, but he don't anymore, ain't none of it same as before. He figures all any of it's any good force, keeping everybody bored till there ain't nobody like Bob anymore. Bob takes care of his mama. She's a mess, but he feels like he ought to. I beg a mess today, ask Bob, he'll say she's a big one and she's gonna be a lot of He likes to drink a beer or two every now and again. He always had more dogs than he ever had friends. Bob ain't light in the loafers. He might kneel, but he never bends over.